I, I think that we get to write our own owner's manual. I've fallen down and gotten up a whole bunch. How do I take responsibility for doing something good in my life and owning something good in my life? We're real good at owning what we don't do well. We don't spend enough time celebrating the fabulous things we do. Hi, I'm Laura. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Kim. This is Nikki. And I'm Louise. Hi, and welcome to the Best Parts Podcast, where we invite you to pull up a chair and think about your best parts, which are all your parts. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to our last episode in season three here on the Best Parts. I wanted to get started right away on our episode today, and I wanted to talk a little bit first about a couple of movies that came to mind when I was thinking about this episode. So here they are. Jump in if you all know what these movies are about. And let me start. So have you heard of Six Degrees of Separation? Yes. Yes. Yes? No. No? I've never seen it, but I know it. Okay. What about The Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've never seen it. Never seen it, but I heard of it, like Laura said. All right. Yentl? Yeah. Kim's face was priceless. <laughs> yeah. Catch Me If You Can? Love that movie. That exploded I out of Kim. I have a huge problem with that movie that we can discuss later. Carry on. All right. And what about uh, one of my favorites, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire? Another one that I love. Also one of my favorites. Haven't seen it, but I know it. Any idea? catches on fire. <laughs> I love the face in the pie. Mm -hmm. So many great things about that movie. But any idea what all of these movies have in common? They all have a theme. They all have this thread that runs through all of them. Oh, yes, Horseshack. Yeah, you in the front row. (laughs) Excited. It's all people trying to be something that they're not. That's exactly what I was going to say. And I'm sitting in the back. Which right? is odd because I was really the one who sat in the back. And my guess is you're the one who really sat in the yep. I was that person. <laughs> Actually, I sat in the middle, but whatever. Yeah, the, the main theme or the main characters in all of these movies are that there are people pretending to be someone that they're not. And it really came up for me when I was thinking about how in my life, what happens when I feel like I'm one of those characters in my own movie, when I am being an imposter in my own life. And I wanted to bring this topic up today and have a good conversation about what it all means and what it all feels like. There are many of us, 70% of us in our careers feel like we are imposters at one point in our lives. And that's just in our careers. Never mind feeling like an imposter as a human in general. It, it, it pops up often in all places. And it gets really displacing, I think, when we are not our true selves, when we feel like we are, that we don't belong where we are. I look at imposter syndrome in a different way. And while you were talking, of course, as Nikki says, I went to the Google box and it says imposter syndrome is when an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments. And as a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So 
I, I understand what you're saying um, about trying to be someone you're not, but also times when you're being yourself, but you feel like people are going to think you're a fraud and you're not like, who are you to do that? Right. For me, I'm writing a book right now. And I'm like, who am I to think I can write a book? I'm a golf coach and life coach who would read my book. And if I publish that, are people going to be, what, who does she think she is to do that? I don't know. If, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I see it more as you're trying to be someone you are, and you're afraid people are going to think that you're not that. Or that what you are, isn't good enough to do what you're doing. Like, yeah. oh, she calls herself an expert. She doesn't know Jack squat here. And so kind of invalidating who you are or what name or title you're trying to put on yourself. Is what me, I'm hearing. To me, these all come back to inner critics. We all have inner critics, most of us, unless you're a sociopath. We have these voices that doubt everything we can do or, or doubt and don't mind telling us about it in our head. And so to me, that's what all of this comes back to, whether it's not feeling good enough or who do you think you are to say you are an expert? What was the other one you said? Nobody's going to read this. Nope. Why would anybody read this? Why would anybody read what you have to say? Those are all inner critics in our head. And particularly in the parts work model that I use with my clients is you know, instead of trying to ignore them or kick them to the curb or shove them under the rug, it's important to listen to those voices and find out what it is that they want and why they're trying to tell you these things. Because most of the time they're afraid you're going to get hurt. I've heard you categorize it a lot, Laura, with having certain parts take a step back instead of like, hey, go to your room, shut up. I don't want to hear from you. They take a step back so a more empowered part of yourself can step forth. I, I think there's a lot of us that go through life not even realizing there's this part of us, this Im imposter really that is trying to dictate what we do. F for me, it's this idea that I'm my core being, right? Like I'm not in control of my own life. I'm a character in a movie, yet I'm not the writer. I'm not the, the scripter or the director or the producer. And I let life happen to me. So I don't deserve this promotion because it was just luck. Or I don't deserve, I don't deserve this because I didn't work hard enough for it. I don't deserve. So I feel like a lot of times there's many of us that we're not aware that this is even happening in our lives. We haven't become conscious, I guess, or we haven't found that, uh, that part. We just believe that it's us. Like things just happen to us for luck. It has nothing to do with hard work. And I think that's a part of that for me is that there's, I went through a huge part of my life where I wasn't like, oh, well, that's the inner critic, right? I didn't realize there was a whole busload of parts that I had and, and throwing juice boxes, I think. Hanging from the raffles. sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> And that's kind of why I brought these movies up was, yes, these characters are actively playing a role for some reason, but yet they're doing it for, for a reason, for a reason to get to an objective. Right. And I think that that happens to us. We're just not aware that that's actually happening. Well, and it really sounds like the base of it comes to your personal value worth feeling like you deserve it. Those things that are important of recognizing I am worthy because I am here and not believing that feeling like you have to prove yourself or you go into people pleasing mode or perfectionist mode is when something, at least in me is 
challenging a shaky belief that I'm worthy. I feel like when I have felt like an imposter in my life, whether it's leaning into using a capital A artist for artist in what I, how I describe myself or at work when I w- would have to give a presentation, I, I definitely felt it when I was a practicing attorney. I was really good at what I did. And every time I had to go into court, I, I would feel like an imposter because I would literally be putting on a suit that didn't feel like it was right to me. And so because I was putting on clothes that didn't resonate with me, and I was stepping into a courtroom and doing work that was important, but didn't feel like me because it wasn't exactly the kind of work that I wanted to be doing. I definitely felt like, who am I pretending to be and who will take me seriously and how will I ever win this case? I just had a new perspective of imposter syndrome as a little voice saying, they're going to know. Oh, totally. And we put whatever they're going to know as the things that we're ashamed of or we want to hide or we don't want anybody to know. Yeah. It's like that. And that voice that you did, which is that creepy babysitter, that babysitter answers the phone at late at night. And yeah, that creepy voice is the one that's in there. Good notes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to call it capital A author from now on, because when you said capital A artist, and I was like, there's something different about that. And so for me, I, I don't resonate with being an author yet, but I love the book I'm writing and it feels right. It feels like this is, this is right. Like this is what I want to put out in the world. So from now on, I am also a capital A author. Own it. Name and claim. I wanted to circle back to what I think it was Louise was saying. I hadn't thought about imposter syndrome. To me, this almost seems like the reverse, but when things go well and I shrug off. Oh, well, it just happened. It just happened, you know, that I did 600 hours of work in order to get XYZ done. And, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, that's a different type of not owning who you are and not stepping into that power because you're just shrugging it off. So it's a different type of imposter where you're, you know, really not taking credit for all of the hard work that you've done. You're trying to shrug it aside. Not stepping into the fullness of what you have accomplished or who you are. Yeah, it's it's like you're not in control, right? That that you're not responsible for that thing, regardless of how hard you worked. It's it it just couldn't it couldn't be successful because you were right. Like it, it must have been luck. It, it could have happened to anybody. It, it could right? have happened to anybody. Like or that, anybody could do this. Like, anybody can do this. Yeah. yeah, that's a huge part I think of imposter syndrome that it that creeps into our lives without recognizing. That's what it is. I love the word responsible there, Louise, because we take responsibility for shit that's not ours all the time. And yet we really struggle with taking responsibility for when things go good. Kim, you look like you want to hug everybody who's experienced that right now. Because I and myself, because it's it's just it's so hard. I I do. I want us to take responsibility for those good things and to own them, to really own them. When I stepped into the capital A artist, which is now a part, like it's a full part of myself, even though I don't practice it all the time, I am, I do still consider that as part of who I am. And it is really hard to own that at first, because how do I take responsibility for doing something good in my life and owning something good in my life that I'm making happen? And even in something that 
you put effort into, and I, I'm not going to quote you correctly here, Louise, at all, but I know you've talked previously about working in things that come easy to you and not recognizing them as work or as things that you can do as a career. And so even things you can claim as an artist, things that you, that come easily or that are fun and enjoyable. It's like, oh, well, I just do that. You just kind of shrink away from it a little bit. And you feel like an imposter if somebody gushes over a mug you made. Speaking from personal experience, it's like, yeah, I just made a mug, but oh my gosh, no, the handle, the curve, I love this. And it's like, okay, well, what's, I'm glad it was, I had fun, but does that make me an artist? I don't know. I don't know if I can claim that. It's interesting when Kim said we have trouble owning what we do well, but we're real good at owning what we don't do well as a human race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. I know a lot of people who don't own the negative things. Well, yeah, I guess (laughs) I'm speaking for me, but I feel like a lot of people too, like, yeah, it's real easy to own what you don't do well and be like, well, that's who I really am. Yeah. I try to work with clients so that we try to celebrate the good stuff. Right. Even in my parts work sessions is, you know, people come to me and they want to talk about, they want to work on that critic or they want to work on the part that doesn't want to stay on our diet or whatever the thing is. But sometimes we also work on the parts that they can, they can already appreciate what their gifts are. And that's, but as we have humans in our little human brain, we have a negative bias. And so we do tend to focus on the things that aren't fantastic and we don't spend enough time, I don't think, celebrating the fabulous things we do. Well, going back into the negative bias, that's what used to keep us alive. Looking back at caveman times, yep, we have to remember, oh, don't go there. That's where the lion lives. And so we have to remember that because it would keep us alive. But in our more modern society, we don't so much have to worry about where the lions live right now, unless they're not in the zoo, then we're in trouble. So this is totally off topic, but it brought that idea to me that I was having a conversation with a client yesterday of holding on to understanding where we come from and what those, that foundation is and yet allowing the space to evolve. Absolutely. Well, and when things like that happen, being able to say, oh, I know as a human, I'm prone to negative bias because then it takes some of that tension out of it and you can work in there and work with it and move through it instead of just, oh, I'm an awful person. Everything is so bad. And then you just sit there. Right. You're not stuck when you can, right. you can continue to move through it. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important for people to understand what we're, what you've just said is that our brain is negatively biased. That's something I have no control over. What I can do is I can be aware of it because you, like you say, people will then take that on like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. All I ever do is think negative thoughts. And it's like, no, there is nothing wrong with you, but you can be aware that your brain's disposition is to try to keep you alive. And then you can consciously start focusing on things that are better and bringing that into your life more. I think that's why gratitude lists are so helpful. People that write out gratitude lists, it starts to change the way your brain works. It certainly has mine. And it's reading a hundred comments. And if there's one negative, you probably can quote it verbatim and the rest were like, oh yeah, they were nice things. It's that, okay, something's wrong with me. I have to fix something here. This is why I'm an imposter in this situation instead of 99 other comments where people are expressing gratitude, saying thank you, telling you you did a great job. I wondered if all of us could share a time that we have had imposter syndrome. And I'll start, you know, as a life coach, like part of me is thought, and I still think I'm, I'm 
I work a little bit in health and wellness. I'm actually coaching in other areas. I didn't realize I would end up coaching and I'm just still trying to figure out my niche, but health and wellness makes sense because of my athletic coaching background. And there are times when I'm struggling physically or with my food or with my diet or all of the things. And I'm like, well, who am I to tell people to have good habits when I'm over here eating a third piece of pie, right? So that's where imposter syndrome comes from me, especially with coaching is helping others with things that I struggle with. And that's where my, well, who am I? That's where it comes from for me. Except you're the perfect person to be talking about that. Thank you. When, well, when you know the struggles, when you know the struggles and you experience that yourself, that's, that's what you bring to, to your coaching. That's what we bring to our life experience is not standing on a soapbox and preaching to the choir. I said a whole bunch of idioms. So go back and check out that episode. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's when you're down in the muck experiencing it, that's where you get to speak from the heart. Absolutely. I think that's how I got through it. The imposter syndrome was like, well, I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect. And I want, and my clients are perfectly imperfect. And I want to help them understand that it's okay. That it's, you know, it's a journey, right? Is that, that's not an idiom. That's actually a real thing. Life is a journey. <laughs> it's both, right? Yeah. Well, and I don't want to learn from somebody who hasn't fallen down a few times. If they get it right every single time, I feel like they don't have anything to teach me because I've fallen down and gotten up a whole bunch. And so having somebody speak to how they are struggling right now actually serves me better than somebody who everything is great. This is no problem. I go to the gym and I don't even think about it because it's so amazing. And I can't, I can't learn from them because it doesn't resonate with how I exist. I feel like you had a very specific person in mind when you came up with that voice right there. I did. You don't, you don't have to give the name. Of the I won't give the name, but I did. <laughs> For me, it's been, I still experience imposter syndrome depending on what's happening. It, it's not as intense as it has been in the past for me, but as I experience anything new and I put myself, whether it's out in a, a small way or out into the vast world, it, it rears its head. And I'm not going to say ugly head because I think it helps. It's, it's that place where I get to go internally and say, what is it about this experience that I want to keep moving forward into? What is it that this is a challenge? This doesn't feel good. And yet I've been here before. I know I can get to the other side. And what is it that, why am I doing that? And that why helps me, right? When I was, uh, like I said before, when I was a practicing attorney, the why was became challenging for me because I wasn't practicing exactly how I wanted to be practicing. And it was part of the reason why I left the practice is because I found it challenging to show up in the way that I wanted to for my clients instead of the way that your quote unquote should, the way you should show up for your clients, which did feel like made me feel really icky. I have a part that'll jump up and say, you don't know what you're doing. What the heck are you thinking? It's probably weekly. A part comes up and tells me I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm always just, as you know, careful to just listen, see what they need to say, see if there's anything, what their concerns are, what's causing the part, what's it really afraid of, right? That's always a question. I, you know, I let it know I see it and I just try to find out what is it really. I'm just, I'm wondering, as it relates to imposter syndrome, how do you feel about fake it till you make it? 
I don't like the word fake. So I have a hard time with that whole phrase just in general. I prefer name it and claim it. So fake it till you make it. I start with the word fake and then everything that comes after it feels like an imposter. Straight into fake news. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, the, the fake it till you make it, that phrase doesn't work for me either, but the idea behind it, if I can get past the words because they're just words and so they're neutral if I can get past those words for me, that the intention behind it, the name it until you, so you can claim it, that idea does resonate with me because you do have to keep stepping into it. If, if you come out of the box and create a masterpiece as an artist, or you go into the courtroom and nail it and, you know, it's the, the case of the century and it's amazing. And, and it's, and it's, this beautiful moment that everybody wishes they had. Those moments are few and far between. And you generally don't get it right out of the box. You don't, you have to take the time to grow the skills and grow the confidence around it. And with every little tiny win, you gain more confidence. So I think that that is the fake it till you make it because you're gaining the skills and gaining the confidence, but I just don't like the phrase. What about acting as if? Oh, yeah. That's it. So I imagine, cause you know, I'm going to pull up the sports cause that's what I do. A few years back, I, our, our team, I coached won three conference championships in a row. And we wouldn't have done that if we didn't imagine winning conference championships. Like we talked all year about winning the conference championship and then we did it. So for me, as we always say, it's about imagining what you want and imagining that you can do that. And, and that helps you step into it. So it's like in the courtroom, you imagine what you want them to do, not guilty or guilty verdict for whatever it is, right? That's what you're working towards. And I, that's my way of fake it till you make it or act as if or claim and frame. What is it? Claim Name and, and claim. Name <laughs> and claim. So that's how I look at it is you have to imagine that you're going to do it before you can do it. I love this statement, this fake it till you make it because it highlights for me that there is or should be this owner's manual, this this prescribed way of doing something. So it's, I'm going to just read all of the steps and I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to quote unquote, make it when I get through that. So I, I think that we get to write our own owner's manual and it's not something that's given to us. When the very first time I remember walking out of the hospital with my newborn son and I looked at his dad and his dad looked at me and we were like, now what? What do we do here? (laughs) Do they just let us walk out of the hospital with this thing? Like, do we have to like, something language? Yeah. Right. It's like, holy shit. So where's the book? Like, right. I'm looking under his blank. Like, where's, do they not give you these, these these rules, these lessons, these, how do, how do we do this? How do we figure it out? Yet we figure it out. And I think this idea of like faking it until you make it is really us looking for that owner's manual. It's us looking for how do we do something that we don't know how to do, except we know how to do it because we get to make those steps. We get to craft our own way of doing whatever that thing is. And, and that that idea that there's a book out there because we all search for it we have all read self-help books we've all looked for that prescribed owner's manual of how do we get from a to b to q to z 
or Z, depending on your country. So we've all done it. We're all looking for someone else's answer, except we have that. And I think that power, that responsibility, that actual feeling of control in our own lives, that's a, that's a huge thing. And that imposter syndrome comes in and says, no, like, no, keep looking for something else. You don't know how to do your own life. So just keep looking for someone else's answer. And, and that is, just feels like that whole package to me. It's that we are always looking for something out there that will tell us what to do next yet we have it inside us. All right. So on that note, this is it. We are wrapping up season three. I want to thank you all for being on this ride with us. It's been so exciting. Thank you so very much from Kim, Sarah, Nikki, and Laura and myself. We so appreciate you pulling up a chair with us every week here on The Best Parts for the last three seasons and if you haven't listened to all the episodes make sure you go back and binge a couple because you don't want to miss them thank you again we see you we love you and remember all your parts are the best parts take care thank you for listening to another episode of the best parts podcast if you like what you heard today we would love it if you would share this podcast on social media or with anyone you think would enjoy it After all, sharing is caring. And be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts as it helps others find us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at The Best Parts Podcast or visit our website at thebestpartspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that all the parts are the best parts.